Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Well, 2022 is now over and 2023 has now begun. This is the time of the year when people like to reflect on that past year and think about what's happened and possibly set some goals and hopes and plans for the coming year. So what's 2023 going to look like for you? Will you be setting any goals for the year? Will there be things that you'll be hoping to do, planning to do, working at doing? It can be helpful to take that time of reflection. It's, it's helpful to consider the things that you perhaps neglected in the year that's just passed. And it's helpful to think about the things that you might need to work on or prioritise in the coming year. Things that you might need to put a little bit more time and energy into. And Psalm 1 is a great place for us to go. When I read this Psalm, I'm not sure if, if you have this, the same experience, but I always feel like it's like one of those compare the pair ads that you see on TV, you know those superannuation ones where they have two people and they give you some details about each of them and the catch is what's their superannuation payout going to look like? Because in some ways they look similar but in other ways they're completely different. The huge contrast that exists and I think you get that impression from this psalm. We're told about two people and the contrast could not be more stark. The Bible starts with uh, a word that we probably need to try and understand exactly. It's kind of a word we use today, but not the way that it's used in the Bible. And that word is blessed. First word in the psalm, blessed is the one who. So what does blessed mean? I think we hear this word a lot today. You, you, you regularly hear people say, oh, I feel so blessed that this happened or that that happened. And most of the time, when they're saying that, it's got absolutely nothing to do with God. By blessed, they just mean lucky or fortunate or whatever it is that's happened to them has kind of been a good thing, worked out well. But that's not what this word is here. This word blessed gets used about 60 times in the pages of the Old Testament and it normally gets translated as happy or content. But I'm not sure that either of those words quite capture it either. So, but the psalm is really starting by saying, happy or content is the person who. But even happy doesn't quite do it justice. So it's not some momentary fleeting little feeling of happiness that the writer's talking about. The blessed person is the content person, the satisfied person, the fulfilled person. Seems funny that the psalm states, starts the way that it does. It tells us three things about this blessed person, but it's three things that they don't do. Can you see it there in the psalm? Psalm 1, verse 1. 
Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Three negative things. It's a funny way to start describing someone, isn't it? I mean, if someone said to me, what's Debbie like? And I said, oh, uh, here's three things about Debbie. Um, she hates roller coasters, never drinks coffee, and doesn't really enjoy movies with Bill Murray in them. It would be a strange thing to say, wouldn't it? It doesn't actually tell me anything about the person, just not about the person. And that's what this psalm seems to start with. doesn't walk with the wicked, doesn't stand in the way of sinners, doesn't sit in the company of mockers. But I think what he's saying is that the blessed person thinks carefully about how it is that they're going to live. They don't just go with the flow. Blessed people make choices in their life. Choices that may not always seem like the obvious choice to make. Choices that may not always be the easiest choice. Choices about who they are. Choices about who they're going to align with. Choices about thinking, about behaving and about belonging. Does it see three things? The blessed person thinks carefully where they are going to walk, where they are going to stand and where they are going to sit. They don't walk in step with the wicked. They don't stand or align themselves with sinners. They don't identify themselves, sit with mockers. Now make sure you don't misunderstand what he's saying here. This person is not blessed because of the things that they don't do. That's not what the writer is saying. Contentment doesn't come from what you don't do. Contentment comes from what you do do. And that's what he talks about in verse 2. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That's the Torah word in there for, war, for law. Don't get the idea that it's a list of rules that he's contemplating. That's not what the passage is saying. The, the Torah is those first five books of the Bible, those, those books that tell us about God's incredible creation, about establishing a relationship with Adam and Eve, the story of the promises that God makes to Abraham, the fact that God rescues his people from Egypt, provides for them in the wilderness, the story of God establishing his kingdom and his people. That's what he delights in. He loves reading that stuff. The blessed person delights in knowing God. And getting to know God better. Reading through those books and understanding better what it is that God plans to do. What God's purpose is in this world. And what he knows about God shapes the decisions that he makes. The wise person is the one whose attitudes and values and priorities and choices are shaped by knowing God. But that's not as easy as it sounds. I bet you can think of more than one time in your life when you've just gone with the flow, that everybody else was doing it, so you kind of felt like you probably ought to do it as well because you didn't want to stand out. And later, you feel embarrassed about what it is that you've done. You've joined in for fear of standing out. It may be behaviour you feel embarrassed about now. 
I'm a bit of a fan of John Mayer and his music. I don't think I'd like to meet him. I don't think he's a particularly nice person, but he's a great guitarist and has this magic ability to capture things in words. He has a song called Whiskey, 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 a song reflecting about his friends and their drinking habits, but he has this great line in the song. He says, every night around this time, my friends and I, we treat it like a race. But when I really start to break it down, I wouldn't trust a girl who knew about this place. Do you see what he's saying there? He's got a part of his life. He wouldn't want his girlfriend to know that he does this. In verse 3 of the psalm, we see that the writer delights in his relationship with God, delights in God's word. Verse 3, this person is like a tree planted by the stream which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, they prosper. The blessed person, the contented person, their life is secure and fruitful and prosperous because at the heart of their life, is their relationship with God and something that cannot be taken away. Now, it's a bit of a weird thing in the second half of this psalm because there's no description of what the wicked people are like. But the compare the pair thing is kind of still in there. The blessed person is firmly planted like a tree, planted by a stream and producing fruit. But look at verse number four. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. If the godly are secure, planted by the stream, then the wicked are anything but secure. They're like chaff. They're to be blown away by the slightest wind. Now, what's your impression when you hear this psalm, when you look at it? See, my first impression, and it's the first impression I have every time I look at this psalm, if only the world were really black and white like that. Because that doesn't seem to be the world that I'm living in. I live in a world where there's all kinds of shades of grey. He talks about the godly being firm and secure and the wicked being like chaff that are going to get blown away. But it doesn't always seem like that in my world. And I doubt it was really like that for the psalm writer as well. In fact, in our world, there are many who know God and life's not great. They don't seem to be doing that well. And there seem to be a whole lot of people who have no interest in God who are looking pretty comfortable, who seem to be enjoying the good things of life. It's a very black and white picture in this psalm. Two ways to live. Two people. And I can't help but think that that's why Jesus heads in that direction at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He kind of does the compare the pair thing as well. Matthew chapter 7. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. 
And then he keeps going with the compare the pair, two kinds of trees, those that bear fruit and those that don't. And he finishes with two kinds of houses, those that can withstand a storm and those that can't. The blessed man in Psalm 1 delights in God's word and the wise builder builds his life on the words of Jesus. That's what Jesus says in verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The key to the blessed life, the key to happiness and contentment is listening to Jesus. To live a life that's built on the foundation of Jesus' words. Delight in what Jesus has to say. Let his word shape your thinking and your choices and your attitudes and your priorities. In a lot of ways, Psalms 1 is a pretty basic psalm, isn't it? It just makes this simple assessment about how you're supposed to approach life. Compare the pair, those who delight in a relationship with God and those who would rather follow the crowd. So what's the take-home message from this psalm? What difference should this psalm make to me and my life? Well, as people who stand this side of the cross, what are we supposed to learn from this psalm? I think the first thing is this. Being blessed, happy, secure, content, fulfilled, whatever word you'd like to insert there, it doesn't mean that life will be a bed of roses. The Apostle Paul's a really great example of that, isn't he? Life only got harder for Paul after he became a Christian. Got beaten up on more than one occasion, got run out of town on more than one occasion, was thrown into prison numerous times, rejected by his own people who were planning to kill him. But this is a man who felt totally secure in his relationship with God, totally secure in whatever circumstances he was in. This is what he says to the church in Philippi. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And he wrote that from a prison cell. He knew that nothing could separate him from the love of God. Not hardship, not suffering, not even death. The Apostle Paul says that he can face things with complete confidence because he knew that he could trust God. And I'm sure that that's what the writer of Psalm 1 is saying. We should delight in what God has revealed of himself in his word. We should shape our lives around the words of Jesus. So here's the practical take-home message for you for the start of this year. Make sure you delight in God's word. Make sure that you set a time when you read God's word regularly. 
Make sure that you attend a Bible study group, that you make it a priority for the year, not just if you're feeling like it that night. Fill in the card. Tell us which night or day is going to suit you. We're going to be looking at the first seven chapters of Matthew at the start of this year, focusing on Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount. Great place for us to start the year. Why not make it an even greater place to start the year by reading through Matthew 5 to 7? It's only 2,400 words in there. Did you know that if you wanted to read the whole thing, it'll take you about 12 minutes if you're a slightly below average reader like me? 12 minutes to read through the Sermon on the Mount. But make sure that you read God's Word, not as a chore that has to be completed. Read it so you can understand Jesus better. Read it so that you can grow in your relationship with God. Read it so that it shapes your attitudes and your values and shows you those areas that need to change. The psalmist says this, Blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night. And Jesus says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise person who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock.